live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. 59 degrees warm out there to start out your Monday morning. October 23rd, 2023. Glad to have you with us. Hope you had an an enjoyable weekend. I I certainly did. Excited to talk about it throughout the show today. Uh, Weather-wise, we'll be warming up a little bit into the uh, 80s today. A couple of days in the 70s then with some rain on and off. And then eh, Friday, Friday, there's a change. Big change are coming. We'll talk to Dr. Ken Dewey about that tomorrow, so uh, put a pin in that for the time being. On the show today, Monday morning, of course, a uh, big weekend for the Huskers in multiple sports. We'll delve into some of that today. We'll have Tim Ruse on to talk Nebraska news and politics. We'll have Mike Schaefer joining us from Husker 24-7. We've got a new week of Fantasy Huskers, your chance to win our prize pack from Alumni Hall and Valentino's. We'll count down the five things you're talking about today. So we are set to go for a Monday morning. Uh, gentlemen, welcome in. Here we are. Let's set off on a new week together. I am, I imagined you were going to come in way more excited. Like that was really tempered. Really, I thought I was. I thought I was. Uh, I felt excited. I feel yeah. fine. I feel good. What were you expecting exactly? Fireworks I, I just, and about what exactly? I know you. You've just come in so much more more excited than that in the past. Husker football got a win. Volleyball finally beat Wisconsin. It was good. It was very good. I'm happy. I'm happy with I've, it. I've yeah, got, I've got a real Mountain Dew here in the fridge. You need. I, I went back little. to you know that might have been it. I went back to the the uh, twenty ounce from the twenty four oh, ounce, and those okay. extra four ounces are the real. They're the real happy juice. No, I had a. I, I Saturday was a was a blast in a whole lot of different ways, and I I didn't actually attend any of it. I was just uh, watching it from the comfort of my own my own home. And uh, in the evening, we put it outside. Uh, the volleyball game outside had some friends over, and between a football win and, and a volleyball win and a bunch of other really good football games, I had a yeah, had a great, beautiful weather, incredible mm-hmm. weather for the weekend. It was great. It was very good. Uh, so enjoyed the heck out of that. I hope you guys all all did too. And the buzz in this town about that volleyball match. <laughs> I'll tell you, what, I went to the grocery store Saturday morning, and about like eight thirty in the morning, and I overheard. I was only there for like ten minutes. I overheard three different conversations about the impending volleyball game that morning, which was the day of it. In, right. in the it was the talk of the grocery store on Saturday. It was morning. the talk of the tailgates outside of Memorial the Stadium. Of the tailgates as was, I was walking through because I walked through a couple different parking lots on, on my way to the, the stadium from where I park. And that's all I kept overhearing. Then it would be like a little bit here, go back to the football or there'd be a game on that people started talking about. Most of what I overheard on my walk over involved the Nebraska Wisconsin volleyball match. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it lived up to the billing. I mean, like everything except for the final moment, which was kind of as anticlimactic as possible. 
with a uh, with a review and a in the net call to to finish the whole thing off. Uh, everything up, you know, else other than that. Not that that wasn't a great moment too to, oh, to right. celebrate, but you kind of wish it would have been happened on the on the court. Like it if was, they would have made the call at right. the play and it not. Yes, to either go that or or you you know you actually had a you like to finish with a nice kill uh, that. But nonetheless, beggars can't be choosers at this point, and it looked like a great great atmosphere it was inside. In there. Yes, you were Caleb was Caleb was there, and so we'll hear more from him throughout the day uh, about that. And then John Cook going over and jumping up and down with the students. Can't tell if he looked exuberant or uncomfortable <laughs> through, through that situation. Then he asked the kid for his cowboy hat that they were wearing, and he was like, "I'll give it back." And then he goes and does the an students interview. wanted to rush the court. Yeah, I and heard. event staff were quick. Said, no, <laughs> you do not. You're not rushing the court. This ain't a football game. We can. We can control you more here. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I know. Well, they still do it in basketball games sometimes, but nonetheless, yeah. What a, what a win! What a uh, what a night for volleyball again. We're saying that once again here uh, in in Nebraska. And now it was funny. I was talking to my daughter yesterday, and I was like, "It's like it's weird. It feels like you've been focusing on that match for so long." I'm like, "They still have matches to play now going forward. Ten right? more. That felt like some kind of a." championship game but no it's just a regular season game and they'll get back going with uh, maryland i believe coming up yeah this, maryland on friday next 10 more and among those 10 black friday in madison yeah yep yeah you'll have the rematch and they will not be pleased to, to uh when nebraska comes no. again i'm gonna guess so we can worry about that when we when we get there though but that was great nebraska football gets another win you know another hey keep winning I don't care. I'm not going to complain about the style or anything as long as they keep winning. So uh, they did that once again. We'll delve mm-hmm. further into that as well. Nebraska now two games away from bowl eligibility, and uh, nice, uh, nice story in that that the kind of the the play that seals it for Nebraska was a Carney kid throwing it to a Lincoln kid for a touchdown. Uh, in the uh, in the end, and that was pretty awesome. All of the great. points were scored by Nebraska. That's right, because yeah, Alvano was the yeah, it was, was all Carney, Omaha, and Lincoln, wasn't and, it? And Harburg had a rushing touchdown yep. as well. Yeah, there's a it, it. That's one interesting side story about if you look at the roster this year, you, man, I'm sure there you go back in time, and there were other times, you know, decades ago where you had a lot of Nebraska representation. But I'm not sure I can remember a team if you just go up and down the depth chart, the first two guys on the depth chart, where you had as many Nebraska uh, former high school athletes from Nebraska that are playing in either the first or second spot. They're all over the roster. And like I said, that was super cool uh, to have Harburg to Malachi Coleman to really wrap it up on a on a pretty play and an otherwise sort of ugly day offensively. <laughs> nice one single pretty play that made a big defense. And the defense was the defense. So that was, that was good as well. Uh, Mark, other headlines, non-sports headlines from over the weekend that uh, people should be aware of? Probably the worst was a uh, hit and run down uh, south of the penitentiary. On 14th Street, uh, okay, about 4:30 yesterday morning, uh, pedestrian hit, uh, critical, life-threatening injuries. Oh. So, that's and, one, and that's they one. left him there. Yep, unbelievable. And some uh, citizen actually saw the injured man, and he's 37, Lincoln man. Uh, I don't know whether he's in the road or uh, been thrown on the side, but Lincoln police had that blocked off for several hours while they checked that out. Okay, so that's probably the uh, the lead story of the morning. Okay, uh, and then uh, the only other one that's it's it's kind of a bad story, but 
this uh, boutique up on uh, University Place Shopping Center. It's closing now because of the uh, street construction that's been going on up there for so long. It's just uh, couldn't uh, stay in business. That's too bad. Yeah. You, we heard, you hear about that with some of these areas where they're trying to revitalize, but it changes access. And um, and and it was an interesting interesting little interview there about that. So And it's homecoming week. It is homecoming yeah. week at the University of Nebraska. So. That's right. Purdue. The, the floats will be that used to always be we used to always on on Friday night. My family used to be always be a tradition. We'd go up and drive through the fraternity and sorority rows and look at the floats that they had uh put together there. So maybe we'll do that again. Again this year. Go visit my son who's uh living living down there right in the neighborhood at the university. So uh let's see what else. Uh, oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention too, Mark, is that uh today's the governor's call in show day, right? Yes. All right. So that'll be at Two o'clock this afternoon, uh, right here, originating from KLIN with uh, with Mark Vale, um, and so you know, I'm sure a variety of things will come up. Uh, the governor did make some comment on the uh, the story with the reporter from Nebraska Flatwater Free Press. Probably heard now where he said on another radio station he was asked about um, basically her her story about the enviro- environmental impact. Uh, of nitrate levels, and it included Pill and Family Farms. Uh, he said he didn't read it, and he won't. And he said, all you got to do is look at the author. The author's from Communist China. What more do you need to know? Uh, there was a lot of reaction to that, both locally and nationally. He was asked about it again after a press conference on Friday. So this was, we haven't been on the air since this. He said, I am 100% focused on the state of Nebraska, the people of Nebraska, and defending agriculture, growing agriculture, and selling it all over the country. And that's what I keep focused on. I focus on the task at hand and don't get caught up in the sideshows. Reporter from Channel 8 uh, followed up. She said, Governor, what do you think those comments mean, not only for Asian Americans, but also for other minorities in Nebraska? Pillen said, my comments were my comments. That's what I have to say about it. So uh, we will uh, we will see. I, I'm going to guess perhaps a caller will bring that up today. We'll see if you, we hear any more on that from him. And then, of course, uh, a lot of other issues going on in the state as well that will be will be discussed. So that's coming up at two o'clock this afternoon right here on KLIN. Uh, all right. There we go. Uh, other things that uh, that we need to get into here this weekend. Uh, I saw the Taylor Swift movie. On Friday, how was that for you? Um, well, so I mean, it was fine. It was fine. There, we did not happen to be in a showing of it. We went to a four o'clock showing of it over at East Park, and so it was kind of very close to when school got out for a lot of kids. Oh, and so it was, so it was not even down. It was not even totally full. Plus, we went because that was the time I wanted to go. I just bought whatever was available, but that was. Like, did you? I didn't even realize this. At East Park, they have like two levels of screens and theaters. They have a higher level, like a super. I don't know if it's just bigger or what it is exactly. I don't even know. All I know it was more expensive. So it was the more expensive one. So I think that might have drove people slightly away from it. And so it was not a complete, like packed house. And it was not the type of crowd. They actually, though, they played a clip. You know, they got the the Marcus Theaters guy who comes on before movies, and he's always eating popcorn and smiley and welcoming you <laughs> to the movie. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they had that guy. He had a special one before. He said, normally we don't encourage you 
to stand up, uh, to to dance, to sing along, to make noise. He said you can even turn on your phone and take selfies of you and your friends at this movie. And I was like, no, stop, Greg Marcus. I don't agree with you. I know it's your theater, but I do not agree with you. Nobody did any of those things at all. So, but you know, it was funny. We we got down. We sat down there. Uh, got myself nice and reclined, got our popcorn, and this little girl, probably seven, eight years old, comes up to us, uh, my daughter and me, my daughter's 13, and she says, uh, I made bracelets for everybody who came to the show, so would you like a bracelet? Aww. And her arm was like, so apparently that's a Taylor Swift thing, yep. is that- They're the friendship bracelets. They're friendship bracelets, so we got friendship bracelets from this nice little girl before, so that was, I thought that was very, very nice of her, and uh, watch it, three hours long. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I was. I mean, I wouldn't say I was bored. It was. The, it's it's hard to explain what's. I mean, obviously, if you're just a huge fan of her music and wanted to go to the concert and couldn't go to the concert, this is, I guess, the next best thing. Like, because that's what it is. It's just a concert. It's right? just. So yeah, that's the thing. It is not. I thought it was going to be like a behind the scenes, like a documentary, like mm-hmm. preparing for the tour, like. You know, what is a day like when you're getting ready for the tour, which actually would be kind of interesting. But it was not that. It was basically just a movie of the con- It was a concert movie. Yeah. In six months, we'll get the documentary behind the scenes stuff. Maybe. Um, then you'll have to go to that one, too. But the, the thing that made it so it's hard. It's hard to describe just the the quality of the <laughs> sounds like a dumb sort of technical thing to say, but like the the quality of the video the way that they use the, um, I mean, there must have been cameras everywhere, but you never saw a camera in any of the shots. You know, using using drones, using crowd shots, using like close ups, you could really see the dancers and you could really, really see everything. And it was just like really high quality, high level video work, which sounds kind of stupid, but it was it, that. I think that actually made it made it pretty cool. So anyway. I did. And she was on CBS for about three and a half hours yesterday. Yeah, I, uh, my uh, I was watching NFL Red Zone yesterday, where they bounce around the games, and again, daughter, you know, every time they show the Chiefs, they they'll bounce to their game and they'll have one play, and they'll she, they'll be like, show her, show her, show her. I'm like, I, I don't. <laughs> and I mean, even Travis Kelsey was getting catches. He had so many catches that they they quit even cutting up to her after after his plays. Yeah, like, all was, right, this might be a little much. You can tell they're having a real internal battle there, um, in terms of their production meetings on how much to do that. Right? It's very clear that they're like, they're like, okay, are we are we doing it after every time he catches the ball? Are we doing it after any time he scores a touchdown, or after any Chiefs scores a touchdown? Like, I think there's a, a real policy there mm-hmm. that's going on with that. Well, there, there's there's a balance between what you've had for the people that are not Taylor Swift fans, but uh, are lifelong football fans. Right. And then now there's this additional coverage for something they're not really interested in. And, but, and it makes them some of them affirmatively mad that they do it, right. which but I don't care. With, but. with the added coverage of her being there, that also brings in an additional audience. So right. TV's like, well, yep. we've got someone else to kind of cater to that's helping all the ratings as well. They're trying to still do it, but not make a big deal about the fact that they're doing it, essentially. And then you've got folks like me that go, I like football and I like Taylor Swift, so show her or don't show her, but the game's on. I'm not losing sleep over any of it. I'm not losing sleep over any of it. A little bit of a controversy of who was in the uh, suite with her, though. Who was it? Well, uh, I think Mahomes she was in the Mahomes brother. suite. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and he had had some criminal issues. He's yeah. had some legal challenges. Yeah, yeah his wife and his uh, and their their son and son. I think it was his son, their baby, mm-hmm. and then yeah, Mahomes' brother as well. I know I saw him in the background of one of the pictures, and I I noticed that too, Mark. So, uh, all right, yeah, and 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 like I said earlier, guys. Soak in the nice weather here uh, the next couple of days, the next two, three days, because a change, she's coming. Not going to be a record breaker today. Record's 89. Okay. That, that was set last year. Low 80s today. This weekend was excellent. It was very good. It was great. Even both in the last two nights, too, were just fantastic right now. So that'll be good. And it looks like we'll get, again... I don't know, Mark, the rain may, the temperatures are going to be fine on Tuesday or Wednesday. It just looks like there's a decent chance of some rain throughout there on on those two days that might muck things up just just a little bit. But like I said, the real change, Did you have you guys looked ahead a little bit? Uh, Friday, high of 48. Saturday, um, Saturday, another home game for Nebraska, high of 42. Chance of showers. Well, that'll feel different Ooh. than this past Saturday. Wind gusts at 21 miles an hour. And then uh, Sunday, a high of 40. I think I saw one that went out to next Tuesday that had a high of like 36 on Tuesday. Uh, 50, uh, 42 on Tuesday. 42 on Tuesday, okay. 37, uh, I'm showing, for Sunday. For Sunday? Okay. Yeah, yeah I knew there were some 30s Down in, there. in the 20s for most. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. There you're going to get your freeze. Uh, and the fall colors are looking great in Lincoln right now. We're kind of hitting that, at least in my neighborhood, we're kind of hitting that peak here right about now. So, and When did you say Dr. Dewey's on? Tuesday, tomorrow, 8.35. Yep. All right, we'll take a break. It is 6.25. Caleb's got to check sports next on KLIN. From the skies to the streets, get the latest weather and traffic. Always accurate coverage. 1499.3 KLIN. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln. And conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first, it's just a sweet, sweet fantasy. It's not as good when I do it manually, huh? Yeah. Well, you know what happened? We've got the governor's call-in show today, so it changes up my whole clock and the way everything oh, works. Oh, so. so this is the governor's fault? I'm, I, will, I mean, he does. It might be a little bit of mine, but... Well, a lot of calls going to be coming in about this <laughs> about 2 o'clock this afternoon. Uh... Yes, it's time for Fantasy Huskers. First, it's time to 
award some prizes to one of our contestants for last week. Last week we asked how many total points would be scored versus Nebraska or for Nebraska versus Northwestern. And the score against Northwestern was 17 to 9. Do the math. That is 26 total points. So if you went low, you probably did well. Was that what was the was did the lowest pick win? The lowest pick won. Gotta play on the edges. Who's told you that many times with and this was game? Obviously very happy that there was a field goal and not a touchdown given up late in that game. Okay, who was the winner? Midtown Dave. Midtown Dave. Had 24 points, well, only two off on it. And find so the that's most our winner. midtowniest of Valentinos and go get you some pizza while you're wearing your new Alumni Hall gear. So congratulations to Midtown Dave. Okay, so we start a new week. That means, uh, first of all, let's tell you what we are going to be uh, drafting this week. We are going to be drafting... Passing attempts. Nebraska's in an interesting situation offensively. Um, they, they got out and threw it a little bit early in the game last week, including an interception on the first play from scrimmage. Uh, so you wonder how much, and then they, you know, then, then it looked good at the end of the game with that touchdown to Malachi Coleman. So how much is Nebraska going to try and throw the ball this week against Purdue? Uh, so we ask you that question. How many pass attempts does Nebraska have against Purdue? We want your guesses on that if you get a pick. If you get a pick. Now, uh, just for reference, Nebraska had 17 pass attempts against Northwestern. And they are averaging 21 okay. attempts averaging a game so far this 21. season. So that's kind of the sweet spot there if you need some help on what to pick or just figure it out yourself. Uh, but to get that pick, you need to send us a text with the keyword. And the keyword today for pick one is? Pass. P-A-S-S. Pass. Got it. Got it. Got it correct. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. So back. Text that in right now. We will pick one of the people who texted in to get pick number one in this week's Fantasy Husker draft. If you don't get it, don't despair. We'll do another one today at 810. And then every day this week at 635 and 810. So just make sure you're listening and make sure you text in that keyword. All right. It is time for the sound off. Uh, news from the weekend. Again, I I know this was toward the beginning of the weekend, but it was um, it happened. Uh, we haven't had a show since, since it happened, so let's update some of the things that have been making news in the United States and overseas, starting with two of the American hostages being freed from captivity by Hamas. Let's find out a little bit more about that. A small piece of good news amid this horrific story. Two American citizens that were released as part of a deal negotiated by the Qataris. The first two hostages that were taken on the October 7th massacre released from captivity inside Gaza. Certainly a a positive development. The father of the young girl who was released, you could hear in his voice as it was shaking, just a sense of relief following this news. There was uh, was, a situation. I did not sleep at night and uh, my head always been in Israel. Lots of phone calls in Israel, lots of TVs. I've been glued to the TV for two weeks, hoping for any good news. Finally, it came. All right, so there you go. So how did this happen? Why did this happen? It's, it's kind of an interesting question, given that they've still got uh, over 200 hostages, according to reports there. Evidently, uh, Qatar played the middleman, tiny country, but played a big role 
in doing this. Also, representatives from Turkey, Egypt, France, others have been having talks about how how to get some of the captives out. And a lot of Hamas's political leaders actually live at least part time in Qatar, in Qatar's capital. And so that country has a kind of a long history of brokering deals with groups that the United States otherwise considers terrorists. So they release both of these American Israeli women, mother and daughter. Americans thank the Qataris for this point at this point, but you've got a whole bunch of other families that are still still kind of in limbo and saying, Okay, two are two are gone, but what happens to the rest? How do we how do we get our family back? From this, and it's it's interesting. I was reading a little bit about this. Um, some of the commentary was that the belief that some Hamas political leaders are trying to distance themselves from the you know the terrible things that happened on October seventh. They're now saying it was angry Gazans and members of other armed groups, not even their own fighters, who kidnapped the civilians. Although that's not really what the the videos and the facts support. At this thing, um, Israel is not negotiating at that point. Th- at this point, they're building up. We're going we're to talk more about this here in a second. They're building up armored personnel uh, on on Gaza's border. Eventually, I assume a full scale invasion, ground invasion, is going to come at this point. So, um, it, it's interesting that that this happened. Why these why these two were released instead of others? Um, is it, you know, what exactly, what exactly happened here? And we don't necessarily have, um, answers other than that they're, they're Americans, but there's up to 10 more Americans in captivity at this point. Mm. So, you know, maybe trying to get some goodwill from the United States to try and temper Israeli retaliation at this point, thinking the United States has some influence on Israel in terms of what they're doing, maybe, that's it at that point. Hamas said they did it for humanitarian reasons, whatever that means exactly, but it's an interesting situation. But meanwhile, as I said, you still have over 200 additional hostages uh, that are being held, and the question is, okay, what's happening with the rest of them? The Israelis continue limited raids into Gaza to try and look for information about the hostages that are being held there, and also to ensure that they are clearing the path for that expected ground operation. Israeli authorities today saying 222 people are currently being held hostage inside Gaza. That number is rising, and we do expect it to continue to rise, unfortunately, as they gather more information about who is missing and who was killed in the October 7th massacre. So there you go. Now, they're, they're saying that you're not, they're not going to release any more hostages at this point until the attacks in Gaza stop at that point. Um, that, and I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. So, uh, that is the, uh, that is the latest there. Um, let's go to some other, some other issues going on right now. The speaker's race is still going on. We still don't have any closure. Uh, we left off with Jim Jordan losing another vote in the house. And now you've got a handful of additional candidates and they're going to start this thing over. When the clock struck noon on Sunday, the nine Republicans who want to hold the speaker's gavel were named. Jack Bergman of Michigan, Byron Donalds of Florida, Tom Emmer of Minnesota, Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, Dan Muser of Pennsylvania, Gary Palmer of Alabama, Austin Scott of Georgia, and Pete Sessions of Texas. The plan is to have them state their cases at a closed-door forum tonight. 
ahead of a secret caucus ballot Tuesday. Republicans hope the one who emerges will do what Jim Jordan could not, unite the party and reopen the House for business. Gernal Scott, Fox News. Yeah, and so you've also got um, Mike Flood, who is sort of leading a charge to have a, a unity vote, uh, unity pledge, essentially. And at last report, six or seven of the of the people who are running for speaker or throwing their hat in the ring to be speaker have, have signed to this. Um, and it's basically just saying, hey, if if you're not the one who comes out of the closed door vote as a speaker, you will pledge. You will still pledge. You'll give it all up at that point, and you will pledge your allegiance for speaker to whoever wins the thing. So, kind of the opposite of what happened with Jim Jordan and Scalise. So, seven um, seven lawmakers have uh, have thrown their name, and it may have may have even added there at that point, but. Flood has put this two-paragraph pledge together and asking people to uh, asking people to sign it. So um, fairly, fairly young in the uh, in legislative years at this point, legislative experience. But he was making some news. I got a push notification about him on my phone from a national news source yesterday. Uh, All right. You're getting that from some of Nebraska's reps. Yeah. I mean, Don Bacon's obviously been front and center in, in this whole thing, too, as well. This is an interesting story. So uh, a man earlier this year uh, is wrapped up his trip around the world. Now, trip around the world, okay, you know, may not seem that shocking anymore the way transportation is here at this point. But the way that this guy did it makes it a little bit more impressive. Take a listen to this. A Danish man finally returned home earlier this year after traveling for more than a decade, visiting every single country on the globe for at least 24 hours. His only parameter was he couldn't catch a flight. He visited all 200-plus countries by cycling, walking, by boat, or by bus. He originally set out to achieve this feat in four years only spending $20 a day, but after being held by gunpoint, catching malaria, and the pandemic slowed him down, it took him 10 full years. He's back. He's got a documentary and a book coming out next year. Reporting for Fox Weather, meteorologist Nick Koser. Thanks for the weather report. Um, <laughs> 20 bucks a day? 20 bucks a day, no flights. Only and it doesn't sound like his own personal car wasn't a thing either. So it was either cycling or riding a bus. Gunpoint and malaria. Now I'm interested. What what country do you think he got held at gunpoint at? That's an interesting question. Um, you don't have to answer it, but I. Uh, and and then what about like I'm curious. What was there's a few countries specifically. You're like wow, what did you do there? Like North Korea. And how hard was it to get into all of these mm-hmm. countries? Uh, some easier than others, I'm sure, with this. But that's and, and that's putting it on question. there that you have to spend 24 hours. Right, you can't just pop it, put your foot in, and be like, "Okay, I was in North Korea." And then, like, you go to the four corners, and you're like, "Well, I'm in Utah." Right, right. That's in, That's that's pretty impressive to get to all of them, even though it did end up taking ten whole ten whole years on this. Um. I know not a lot of people necessarily who are who are listening right now, maybe a few, but not a ton of them, have electric vehicles. Uh, I don't. But 
apparently in the the world of adapting the charging situation to be more universal for all electric vehicles, there's been a movement towards Tesla's charging network, mm-hmm. essentially. And it's it's kind of like a phone charger, right? <laughs> you know, when Apple and Android have different kinds of phone chargers, it always could be frustrating. And now everyone looks like they're moving to USB-C, and it's going to be a whole lot more convenient, I think. For everybody. Good. But that's kind of what's happening with with electric vehicles to some degree. Owners of Toyota and Lexus electric vehicles in North America will soon be able to charge on Tesla's far superior fast charging network starting in 2025. Toyota says it'll also adopt Tesla's North American charging plug that's moving closer to becoming the industry standard. Hyundai, Kia, Ford, GM, and BMW have made similar moves. The Wall Street Journal reports that EV sales growth has slowed in the U.S. with a limited pool of consumers willing to pay top dollar. Essentially, those who want EVs already have them, with some car makers now shifting more resources into hybrids, which have been drawing more buyers. Jeff Manasso. Fox News. That's interesting. I mean, it's because it's been like 20 years since people, since hybrids started coming out, and that was the big... That was the big thing there at the beginning. What was the what was the one brand of hybrid that everybody had? It's slipping my mind right now, but um, they but and and like I don't have a I don't have like a philosophical problem with electrical electric vehicles, but for the same reasons that he said, like the price point is so ridiculously high, I still don't feel you know I still don't know that I feel comfortable with how the the charging works and lasts and how how that all happens cost that, and infrastructure all of those things so i mean you know i don't rule out that someday i would do it but i'll probably get a new car in the next 2 or 3 years and i would highly doubt i would i would look at that yet maybe it would be the one after that but it's just yeah the the cost especially mm-hmm. it, it's like boy how you would have to you would have to be saving a ton of money on gas to make up uh, the difference in cost right now for those things. Uh, all right, let's see. Oh, we got time for one more. This yeah. will be for all of the all of the people who are already getting excited for Christmas. We are two months away tomorrow from Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, still too early in my mind for Christmas music, but this is the time of year when you start to hear what all the new albums are going to be for all those artists going in for the big money grab this year. And uh, one of them this year is none other than. Share. Cher is doing something she's never done before, releasing a Christmas album appropriately titled Christmas. It's her first new album in five years, and it's available to stream now. Cher enlists an all-star roster of collaborators, including Stevie Wonder on What Christmas Means to Me, Darlene Love on Christmas Baby, Please Come Home, Michael Bublé on Home. The Christmas album is dedicated to her mother, Georgia Holt, who died just before the holidays last year. In addition to the album, Cher is preparing to release a 25th anniversary edition of her Grammy-winning album, Believe, November 3rd. Michelle Polino, Fox News. Other uh, artists coming out with uh, new Christmas albums this year. The Tenors, uh, Gavin DeGraw, Mark Tremonti, I don't even know who that is, Michael W. Smith. So some of those to uh okay. i guess i guess look forward to this year i'm gonna me i'm gonna wait about a month or so i'm not quite gonna be there yet but i can't guarantee everyone in my family is gonna do that <laughs> all right we're gonna uh grab a break we're gonna hear from uh from tom St- tom stanton's tom stanton next uh on his 
his weekly update. And uh, go back over some of those Husker uh, matches. Caleb's in-person perspective for Nebraska Volleyball. That's coming up as well. It's 652 on KLIN. Cue the Huskers, home and away. Welcome to KLIN. Now streaming live on your Amazon device and at KLIN.com. I will now connect you to the live stream. It's time for Tom's Talk on 1499.3 KLIN. With rising costs on everything from groceries to gasoline, budgets are very tight for many families. And as the days get shorter and the nights colder, we know that old man winter is just around the corner and we begin to think about heating our homes. I recently spoke with Brandy Johnson with Black Hills Energy. She tells me there is some good news this year regarding heating costs. And the good news is that we are seeing gas prices nationally that are four times lower this September than they were last year. So some really good news with natural gas prices heading into winter. I asked Johnson to break down the cost savings that they are seeing now compared to last year. Last September, natural gas prices on the NYMEX index were $9. They were above $9 actually. And this year for that same time in September, they were $2.55. So significant significantly lower than what they were last year. And what a difference a year makes. Johnson spoke with KLIN News last fall, and at that time, they were bracing customers for higher natural gas prices. Last year, we were really making sure our customers knew what to expect and giving a lot of tips and helpful information to keep your energy bill down. And that's still important as, you know, as we're paying more for everything right now. We'll have more on those energy tips here in a moment. I asked Johnson what factors have resulted in the lower natural gas prices. There's a few things going on in the national markets. You know, one of those things is record high natural gas production. It's two and a half percent higher than last year. And then storage levels are also higher, which is key as natural gas is stored during low to save up for winter. So higher storage, higher production, those two things are are different and they are setting us up for lower prices. She says the demand for natural gas is seasonal and can rise and fall depending on the severity of a winter. We'll see how the winter goes and what happens across the country. If we have, you know, severe cold weather where we're using more, that always impacts prices. So, you know, it remains to be seen exactly how winter is going to turn out for us. But but we do know that heading into it, prices are lower, which is great news. Now, the announcement of the lower natural gas costs was made as part of National Energy Awareness Month. It's a time for customers to be mindful of the energy we use and how it impacts our lives. Johnson says there are steps you can take to make your home more energy efficient during the winter months. Making sure your thermostat is set around 68 degrees, uh, winterizing your home. Heat pumps are always a a great option to help you conserve energy. Um, A high-efficiency furnace is a great thing to invest in for the life of your home, but there are much simpler tips that you you can take without having to replace your equipment to save on your energy. One of those energy-efficient tips is skipping the drying cycle on your dishwasher. Instead, just prop the door open once the dishes are washed and allow them to air dry. She also says... Weather stripping, caulking, just making sure that your home, is the whole building envelope is tight. Um, and then other more simple things, if you're a renter, you know, making sure that you're using insulating curtains, uh, using a wit, uh, window kit to help insulate older windows, and really just watching how you're using energy. She also suggests that you run complete loads of laundry and dishes to avoid using more hot water and energy than is necessary. Also... 
turn down your hot water heater to 120 degrees and make sure that that water heater is insulated properly. Johnson says water heaters are the second largest energy user in your home, accounting for about 18% of an energy bill. Now, despite the good news that heating costs are expected to be lower, Johnson says they do have programs available to help customers with their payments. We have a program called budget billing, which is a really good way to spread out your heat costs. So you can sign up for our budget billing and it's a levelized payment program. So it will take the spikes out of your heating bill in the winter. So you'll pay a little bit more through the summer months, but it levels out your bill. So it's it's a good way to budget so you can better plan for what your heating bill might be. Johnson encourages any of their customers who may be struggling to pay their bills to reach out to their customer service team to learn more about what assistance programs are available. Hear Tom's talk Saturdays at noon and Mondays at 6.55 or listen to the podcast anytime at KLIN.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Stephen Hardesty. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. Monday morning, October 23, 2023-23-23. Uh, right now in the capital city, we are... Nice out there. 58 degrees right now on our way to the, as you heard, to the low 80s. Coming up, we'll uh, count down the five things people are talking about today with your morning drive. That's at 7.35, a little bit later in the show. Another shot at Fantasy Huskers. We started a new week there, so listen for that keyword at 8.10. Tim Herzl will join us. Mike Schaefer will join us. So busy and ready to go. But I want to spend a little time with, uh, with Caleb here. He had a chance to... Um, you did you did both of the games on Saturday, right? It was a you fun the, double. Okay, so first of all, how was the uh, how was the situation getting from? Luckily, football ended pretty quickly, so I'm going to guess that helped the whole yeah. traffic situation. Well, and in the way we did it, so Kenny Larrabee uh, was taking pictures, so he did the double also, but he dropped his vehicle off at the Devaney Center. A lot of people were doing that, but there were a lot of folks that dropped their vehicle off at Devaney Center and walked over to Memorial Stadium. It's not Good. that far yeah. of a walk, but it's also not two minutes either. Um, so timing that type of a thing out. But uh, Kenny dropped his vehicle off. I drove him over uh, to the parking garage where we stay and, and got into Memorial Stadium. It was fine. I ended up leaving. 
I was watching Northwestern's last offensive drive as I got to the elevator, and then I could listen to the Huskers radio network on the way down, heard the stadium explode, went, good, don't need to rush back upstairs for like overtime or anything. Right. They're not forcing that. Got to the garage. Honestly, less than 10 minutes. To, to get across to the Devaney Center and parked and okay. it, it, like it you could see that there was a lot of traffic as you you would at the the end of any football game and then especially trying to navigate people getting over to the Devaney Center it was fine it was flowing lines were long at the Devaney Center getting people in because everyone was trying to get over there and there were when I had picked up Kenny at twelve thirty there were at least a dozen students outside the the arena they showed them on the tv broadcast at in the morning yeah yeah they they had shown them lined up yeah they they were ready to go both like few hours before the football game even started they were ready over at the at the devaney center for the volleyball so yeah so traffic was not near as bad as as i had even anticipated getting out of a parking garage going through a few lights getting put like it was great yeah, good. Uh, okay, so tell us, because a lot of us could not be in that building uh, because there aren't, there's only so many seats and because the prices were exorbitant to get in <laughs> to that building as well. So tell us about the experience inside the building for those who couldn't be there. That's the highest energy I've I've ever been around for a Husker sporting event. Wow. Now, now I haven't been at a bowl game. I haven't been at a national championship. I wasn't at... Any of the the baseball regionals, any anything like that, but I was at volleyball day in Nebraska, where there was the ninety two thousand and like that. That's its own. It's really hard to even compare this. It was to less that. about the game. Yeah, that itself. was just that yeah. was like a celebration, and it was so cool. There was energy from the get go that was like you could feel it hit your bones when the crowd would erupt for stuff. The standing room only. Those people were going nuts the whole time, <laughs> and they are because like there's the little wall paneling in front of them, right? You like lean over, and just everyone with their fists, just constantly up there. It was so cool to to have that. Um, where I was was up in a corner, so I wasn't even like in the middle of the sound, right? Um, but with my phone, like the when they made that final announcement, is and you'll hear it in, in sports a couple more times today that that they had the net call and Nebraska wins the match. 106 decibels is what what I registered on my phone from up in the corner. Not even what it would have been if I was in front of all of the yelling. I was getting everything bouncing around. But it, it was loud from the very first set. It settled down a little bit in the second as Wisconsin got 12 blocks. And it looked like that was potentially all the points Nebraska was going to get to. Then they tacked on a couple late. Nebraska in the in the third set tried to hit around or over those blocks, and that caused a lot more hitting airs. Mm-hmm. As people even on TV, you're able to see. But in the building, like there was a little bit of a nervous energy, but it was still raucous. And then you had the fourth set going on, and it getting closer, going, "Oh, they're going to do this. They're going to force a fifth. And it got loud and loud and loud. And then when you're when you are going to that fifth. The energy for those what what ended up being twenty eight total points scored, insane like that. Whatever thirty minutes of real time from the very first serve up until oh John Cook is challenging. Mm-hmm. Oh Nebraska might get a walk out of this one and not have to go extra points with it. Like it just it hit you in your bones 
every single point as it got to Nebraska's going to do this. They're really going to do this. It's happening in front of us. There's not going to be that letdown right at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it on uh, watching. You know, just on on TV, which which we did too. It it was that same. And I didn't. I honestly, the way that that second set looked, um, I you know, I just I thought. I thought Wisconsin was going to win the thing. I mean, I mm-hmm. just, I thought I really did. And I'm usually super overconfident in, in Nebraska, but I just, I just thought that the way they came out after that, I thought they had kind of taken, taken control of things and Nebraska was going to have a hard time getting it back. But man, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, um, a couple of great, I mean, Merritt Beeson, um, for, she was on fire, uh, during that match. And then, of course, the the final set for Harper Murray too right but, there was until late in the fourth set when Nebraska got a couple of points that they really needed and then obviously what happened in the fifth until late in the fourth Harper Murray was hitting negative for the match mm-hmm. but then turned like and she's had moments of inconsistency like any eighteen year old or whatever how whether she's eighteen nineteen but she's a freshman like this is her first time. With this level of volleyball, and mm-hmm. especially in a match like this, and was hitting negative mm-hmm. through at least three and a half sets, and then starts to get it going late. And I guess John Cook was like was on her in the huddle between the fourth and the fifth, saying, "You have to do something. You got to get kills." And then she went and hit like seven hundred yeah. in the fifth set, um, and absolutely turned it on. There's a really good chance that you have on that floor from Saturday night. Your, and not necessarily all of them will be Nebraska. One of these might go to Wisconsin. But there's a really good chance you have the Big Ten Player of the Year, the Big Ten Setter of the Year, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, the Big Ten Freshman of the Year, and the Big Ten Coach of the Year. We're all at the Devaney Center Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and multiple All-Americans, too. Probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, plenty of All-Americans. You, yeah. You're right, though. From watching that second set... And what Wisconsin was able to do with their block, it looked like, yeah. and the way I characterized it was, Wisconsin has the size, and I know we talk about it in football, the physicality. Like, they're, they're just so tough up front, and it causes their block, and they, they hammer everything. Nebraska might be the most athletic team in the country. Just athletes everywhere, what they're able to do, front row, back row, how hard they hit it, how high they're able to jump, how they just don't let anything hit the floor. That goes to your your defensive specialists and your libero as well. But Nebraska was not winning against Wisconsin's physicality and size. But as it got into late in the fourth and it got through the fifth, that athleticism took back over in the way that it had through the first set. Nebraska's Nebraska was out uh, was doing so much from an athletic standpoint in the first set that Wisconsin's size couldn't catch up. It caught up in the second, and then it caused Nebraska to make some adjustments in the third. They figured it out in the fourth, and ultimately in the fifth. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So uh, it was as I said earlier in the show. It's kind of weird. You've been pointing to this match for so long. It feels like it was some kind of a like a championship, like uh, the end of a regular season or something. No, Nebraska moves on now. Um, as does Wisconsin. As does the regular season. You still got a month left in the in the regular season. We were looking at the schedule earlier because uh, I was just kind of wondering about it. Nebraska's at home this weekend, Friday, Saturday against Maryland Rutgers. Then Friday, November third. So 
uh, a week from this Friday, they have to go to Penn State, which mm-hmm. is um, it's it's probably the second toughest test you can have in the conference right now, uh, behind going to Wisconsin at this point. So. It won't be long until they're going to be tested again there in that situation. Uh, a part of that trip, they also go to Rutgers. Then they come back home for three in a row to play Northwestern, Illinois, Michigan, and then at Iowa uh, on that uh, weekend of November eighteen nineteen. And then after that, they go back to Wisconsin one more time. That'll be on Black Friday. So you're going to back up the Nebraska-Iowa football game right into Wisconsin Nebraska volleyball. Mm-hmm. You thought you thought yesterday was a, a <laughs> high stress combo. Uh, you will really have that on Black Friday, and then they have one more game after that. The next night they go to Minnesota, who's been down this year, but that's always a, a tough test too. That's a tough road double road. to finish the year. Yeah, that's a, they got both of them in Lincoln last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll go on the road for both of those this year. But if they can get past Penn State, watch out for a letdown there. Um, I mean, you would expect, you know, we're not counting any chickens before they're hatched, Hatched, I don't think, here. But there's definitely, I mean, Nebraska will go in significantly uh, favored against in, in every other game that they're playing mm-hmm. here before they get to Wisconsin once again. So a chance, Caleb, for a, a, another one versus two, basically, oh, in the rematch. Not just a chance, but a really, really high likelihood. It looks like Stanford's going to keep taking care of business out west, but as long as Wisconsin and Nebraska aren't dropping matches, they're going to stay 1-2. Right. And for Wisconsin, and I know you, you'd ask me this question, is there a chance that Wisconsin could, could fall further than 2? It was only 2 points on the road in an undefeated match in the conference. Yeah, I wouldn't move them down. Yeah, they're, they're, there's almost no way. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple of voters that still picked Wisconsin with a couple of their first place votes. Because of the way it was on the road, interesting, too. but yeah, but but yeah, and that, that's that's their prerogative with it. I just I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but Nebraska is going to be the runaway number one when the AVCA poll comes out later today. Yeah. So, and the other thing to mention about this whole thing is that it, we we talked to some of our volleyball experts. We talked to the guys from the Volleyball State podcast, Jeff and Lincoln, over the last two weeks, and uh, they both to be seem to be of the opinion that if Nebraska won that game against Wisconsin, that they did that they would have a lot of leeway here in the rest of their matches and still be able to get a top-four seed, meaning could stay home not only for the first and second round, but also the third and fourth round mm-hmm. of the NCAA tournament. All all of those games would be in Lincoln. Obviously, huge. Nebraska hasn't been able to do that for the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, Even when they went to the national championship game, they had to go on the road to Texas that year. So uh, maybe have that opportunity. You probably, I mean... Those guys, I can't remember which one of them said it, but um, I think it was um, Lincoln that said if, or maybe it was Jeff that said, if Nebraska beats Wisconsin, they probably would have to really have you know three, four losses to get out of that top four. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, but that shouldn't be like even if it's Penn State and Wisconsin, or or Wisconsin and Minnesota, you still have a good shot at that top four, at least according to those guys who know a little bit more about that selection process than I do. So that's big. And by the way. Side note and uh, shout out that just published the new Volleyball State podcast. If you want to hear more on this by two guys who uh, who really follow the sport closely and their impressions of this game, uh, you can check it out at podcasthousemedia.com. The new episode is published, and you can listen to it right now, either there or wherever you get your podcasts. Check that out because Jeff and Lincoln do a great job. They also have Lauren Cook-West on this week's episode as well, and they kind of she gives some sort of 
inside in behind the scenes stuff on how the radio broadcasts work and talks a little bit about mm-hmm. her dad who, who she has to call coach cook all the time when she <laughs> she references him and uh, how he's changed over the years. It's a it's a really interesting interview. So check that out right now at podcasthousemedia dot com. And then you know, well, there was also a football game. People forget there was also a football game this weekend. Right, and Nebraska yeah. football's got a winning also, record. Nebraska. Right now. I mean, boy, you come out of this weekend and you got that huge volleyball match win. You got Nebraska winning uh, again and having a w- uh, record. And I don't want to leave out the soccer team. No, because they're Big Ten co champs. So. That's right, regular season. So they begin their tournament and they get it at home on Sunday for yep. that first match. First match, if they win that, then they go to Columbus, where the final four from the conference will mm-hmm. be will be held, and then we'll see what happens with the NCAA tournament at that point. But very impressive there for what Nebraska soccer has has been able to do right now. And uh, football, kind of same story, Caleb. Uh, you know, it's just it is not. It's the the offensive situation is. It's it's just do enough, don't make too many mistakes, and do enough to win, and that's what they did again, and let the defense eat, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely what the defense did in this game. Eight sacks, you know, a couple of times where Northwestern moved the ball a little bit, but generally, uh, generally the defense kind of looked a lot really like they did against against Illinois. The offense looked kind of like it did against Illinois. Yeah. It looked very it looked very similar to that game, and the result and looked like um, looked like that game as well. And so Nebraska moves on, and they've got Purdue this week. Uh, Nebraska, a very, I think I saw a very slight favorite, like a point or two. It, it was favorite. fluctuating. There were some places that I saw as low as two and a half. And then some other places as high as four for Nebraska. Yeah, for yeah. With, in Nebraska's yeah. favor. So I mean, it's just a carbon copy of those last two games. I think you know, it, it's a game Nebraska could win or could lose, and I think you know what the formula for both of them looks like mm-hmm. if if they are to win it uh, or if they are going to lose it. And they threw that interception on the first play, Caleb, and I was like, this is the one thing they can't be doing. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing I don't care if they go three and out and they punt. That's fine. But the one thing you can't be doing is turning it over on your own side of the field, and it happened a couple of times, and they still got away with it here at that point. I'll tell you what, on that, on that, that first one, because they took over in scoring territory, there were plenty of chuckles up in the box when it was scoring drive, five plays, minus 14 yards. Yes, it was. I know. I tweeted. I was like, I, I wish Nebraska could put together a scoring drive like this. It was uh, but got it done, and another W. And Nebraska now two games away from bowl eligibility with five games remaining this season. All right, at seven twenty-four, we will take a break. Kevin's got a full check of sports. We'll do the morning drive here in about ten minutes. You are listening to LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIM.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is the Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's get going and count this thing down right now. Number five. There's seven members of the House of Representatives that have declared uh, they want to be Speaker of the House. And since it's been, uh, what, three weeks now since we've been without a Speaker. That's uh, all? Something like that, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Congressman Mike Flood unveiled a unity pledge. He wants to rally members of the Republican caucus to pledge unified support for the conference's eventual Speaker-designate. That's supposed to be taken tonight. They're having a closed-door uh, caucus tonight, I believe it's 6 o'clock Eastern. Okay. Uh, where the seven are going to make their presentations, why they should be speaker. And then the vote. Then, so, so is there ranked voting, I wonder? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, when you have this many candidates, is it just a plurality? I love it. Used a little ranked choice. I, I mean, when you have that many candidates, you actually wonder if if uh, they're going to do something like that. But yeah, you're, you're right. And I mean, it won't take a lot of votes at this point because there's so many people who are running, maybe. And I have no, I don't know a lot about these people, but it's uh, Austin Scott from Georgia, Mike Johnson, Louisiana, Pete Sessions, Texas, Jack Bergman, Michigan, Kevin Hearn, Oklahoma, uh, Byron Donalds, uh, Florida, Tom Emmer, Minnesota. Now, of those people I just read, all but the last two have said that they either have or will sign this pledge. But, you know, I was thinking about that. I got a like a push notification on. Yeah. saw Mike Flood's. My eyes, you know, went right because it was a national one. It was about Mike Flood, so I went right to it. But whether the speaker, it, it'll be interesting to see how much sway the speaker candidates have over the caucus as a whole. Because, I mean, to be honest, McCarthy was saying, vote for Jordan. Scalise was saying, vote for Jordan. And they still weren't doing it. And so it's great that you've got the speaker candidates, but will the people who are actually doing the voting, you know, commit to that situation. And how many actual Congress members at large are signing this thing? You know, do it make sense? Because that's what's what's going to... I don't know. You think they're going to come out of somebody with this and have... be able to go one ballot and be able to get the whole thing done? Nope. And I don't even know what's... I don't know enough. I mean, in all honesty, I don't know enough about any of these people who are throwing their hat in the ring to know what would be a, you know, where they are on the spectrum of, of policy or, um, you know, what may be a, a turn off about, about them holding well, the speakership. I've, I've, so. I've heard that Tom Emmer out of Minnesota could actually, uh, if it gets right down close, could actually draw a few Democratic votes because oh. uh, he represents a very, very liberal state. Interesting. And has had to work across the aisle. Uh, I believe he was a state representative for a number of years. And I think I saw was that McCarthy said he yes. had, was going to support him too. Yes. Um, so maybe, yeah, I don't know if he, that makes him a favorite or not in, in this whole thing, but we will see. We will see. Because <laughs> So apparently the thing with making the McHenry guy, the bow tie guy, the the speaker with temporary powers right. that's not happening anymore because nope. he doesn't really want it to is that at least one of the reasons for that well no um they they what i heard is there were some people said that where there was some constitutionality issues oh uh giving him special powers interesting all right so monday night candidate forum. what do you think these candidate forums look like do they uh bring up like a powerpoint presentation 
Why I Would Make a Good Speaker by Jack Bergman from Michigan. They, they go up there with their thumb drive, get it plugged right. in. All right, let me open up the file, everybody. <laughs> Got some cool transitions <laughs> from slide to slide. I think it's more like WWE. <laughs> Uh, Cage match. Seven reps enter, one rep leave. I mean, I, we, we put it on here. We put it on here. I think we may not have otherwise, but just because of the involvement of, of Mike Flood, who's still relatively new there, um, got a little bit more seniority on, on some, of the, uh, some of the people in his class, because remember, he came in there early, but it's interesting to see him kind of wheeling and dealing on this thing already, given his you know, lack of extensive experience in the house so probably well, but he's had a lot of experience oh, in the legislature. i'm not surprised he can do it yeah. it's just interesting that he was you know sort of came out of the forefront of of this thing trying to say hey we, we got to figure out a way to make make sure this thing actually gets done i just wish it, he'd run we'd make we'd take some action yeah i i suppose the yeah it just hasn't been there long just enough. That, yeah i think that's probably most likely it i mean with a body that big you don't even know some of these people, I'm assuming. Right. You never talked to them. Probably. Even in your own caucus, I would think. Number four. After the Nebraska Bain Society shared a story about a husky named rock band poison front man, Brett Michaels, that dog's name. <laughs> uh, they uh, did a transfusion that uh, helped a kitten suffering from anemia. Uh, well, they did the blood work. Uh, Brett Michaels uh, knew it'd be a perfect blood match. Kitten's getting better. And word got to the other Brett Michaels. I'll let you take it from there. Well, so Brett Michael, there was a Facebook <laughs> post this weekend from the Humane Society, Nebraska Humane Society, and they said this, we've got an awesome update to share with you about the fabulous Brett Michaels, talking about the dog. As you remember, Mr. Michaels here recently helped save the life of a kitten. Well, word got around to the Brett Michaels, who loved the story and wanted to chat with us. One phone call later, and guess who's going to be living the rock star life from here on out? That's right, Brett Michaels the man is adopting Brett Michaels the dog. We can't wait to see how he thrives in his new home. We just hope it doesn't get too confusing when someone tells Brett Michaels to fetch. <laughs> I, see, I like that. I honestly wonder, is he changing the name of the dog? Would you, uh, like, are you calling your dog your name? Get over here, are little you, Brett. Are you doing that? Sure. I mean, he's six years old, so he probably knows his name by now. He's probably been used to it. And when people refer to when you have a dog that has a last name like that, do you use it regularly? Only when they're in trouble. <laughs> well, I'd be using my dog's last name a lot, a lot. Then uh, that's a pretty cool story, though. It's a husky, Caleb. See it? Yeah. Six year old. Yeah. Six year old. Yeah, we we use our uh, our husky's last name a lot. Do you? Tucker James Henry. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> I don't even really consider my dog having my own my own surname, but I guess I, he does technically. Well, and you look I don't, I don't know if I even know my dog's middle name. Oh yeah, it was because my my daughter wanted to name the dog Buddy and got vetoed by everyone else, so we allowed it we allowed it to be the middle name of the dog. So his name is actually Reggie Buddy. <laughs> Reginald Jackson Buddy Mitchell. Oh, all right. Moving on. Let's do that quick. Number three. Banner weekend for Nebraska athletics, Nebraska football, volleyball, and soccer. Significant wins. Matt Rule's team going over 500 for the first time. Volleyball team looks like they've locked up number one national ranking. Leading the conference. Soccer team captured a share of the Big Ten title. 
So, what are we on to next week? All right. So, so first for football, you go get a win, and that puts you at five and three, and would be within one game of a of a bowl game. Volleyball don't get don't have the letdown. You're at home, so that's very much helpful. But a pair of matches at home don't have a letdown. And for soccer, you got a share of that conference crown for the regular season, but now you're into the Big Ten tournament. You're going to host Ohio State on Sunday, win that, and you move on to the final four of the conference to go to a uh, neutral site, which, as a matter of fact, is at Columbus. Right. Right. Okay, so out of the prospect, can we just repeat the... Repeat the happiness from uh, from la- la- last weekend, this coming weekend. So for those three teams, four yeah. and zero, yes. Okay. Fo- football still looks like Look, the toughest rank one. Rank them in terms of of, uh, uh, of difficulty. Okay, in terms of difficulty and getting the job done, I would say football number one most difficult. Okay. Uh, I guess so- just because soccer can be a little weird. I would say number two, but also it's hard to pick against volleyball dropping either of these matches this weekend at home. Yeah. After after what we've seen. So that's not I, I still think I think we're at least gonna get three out of the four wins this weekend. Can football get it done against Purdue? Uh, it'll be interesting to see unfortunately the weather probably isn't gonna help at all. But I was gonna say I wonder if they could set some attendance records at Hibner uh next weekend. For the uh, for the Big Ten oh, tournament gosh. match, that's the thing we haven't even mentioned. Yeah, there were over nine thousand at the Devaney Center, setting a new volleyball yeah. attendance record. Yeah, um, but yeah, it would be nice if the weather could be just nice enough. I think people are going to show up. I, I've seen some some good images of, of crowds out there at Hibner. I haven't gone out there yet. I'm planning to this Sunday. Okay, uh, for for this conference tournament match. Yeah. But it would be nice if you could get a really big crowd there because this team has definitely earned that support. Uh, the forecast Sunday, by the way, chance of showers, mostly cloudy, high near 40. North winds 15 to 17 miles an hour, gusts up to 25 miles an Need hour. Need a so snowmobile suit. You have to borrow Matt Rule's parka. Well, and isn't this like when, when you've got just rainy and a little bit of chilly, isn't that what it's like in England anyway? Yeah, it's true. I mean, Elizabeth Dale should probably be. It might be a little chillier than usual. I'm not sure. Wind, though. I'm not sure I've never been. Yeah. Wind's going to be a factor. <laughs> uh, by the way, the the Saturday forecast isn't a whole lot better if you're going to the game on Saturday. Uh, chance of showers, mostly cloudy, high near 42, gusts up to 21 miles an hour. So Eleanor be, Dale, by the way. What did I call her? Elizabeth. They call her Elizabeth in England. I was going to say, you went with a very English name still. Eleanor, sorry. My apologies to to Eleanor Eleanor Dale, uh, but scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, and as as a group, they had four in the first half. Yes. That, that ended up being enough against Illinois on Sunday. All right, moving on. Number two. It's been over thirty years that the Nebraska governor has done a monthly call-in show. Today's the day, the October version. The call-in show with Governor Jim Pillen gets underway right here at KLIN. And about 40 stations across the state, uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the a, a variety of things will be discussed, but obviously there's a lot of interest in um, whether there will be any additional response when it comes to the comments uh, about the Flatwater Free Press writer, uh, and, and I'm, I don't want to pronounce her name incorrectly. Uh, I believe it's Yank Um and everything that that's kind of gone on with his comments about the article that she had written uh, about nitrate levels in Nebraska. He did have some further comment 
on Friday about this. If you missed it, had a press conference. Uh, got some questions about that. His quotes in response were, I'm 100% focused on the state of Nebraska, people of Nebraska, and defending agriculture, growing agriculture, selling it all over the country. And that's what I keep focused on. I focus on the task at hand and don't get caught up in the sideshows. Got pushed for a further response. At, was asked the question from Channel 8. Uh, Veronica Barreto asked the question, Governor, what do you think those comments mean, not only from Asian Americans, but also for other minorities here in Nebraska? His response was, my comments were my comments. That's what I have to say about it. So that's what he said. We'll see if he goes further into that or if he's going to stay away from saying a whole lot more about it like he did. And then, Mark, of course, a lot of other significant issues here to discuss, to discuss right now yeah, as col- well. Colors usually drive that show. Yeah. And uh, we, we originate that show, right? Matter of fact, from that microphone right next to you, Mr. Mitchell. Governor and me share a mic. Yeah. Isn't that nice? yeah I share and a chair. Mic. By the way, okay. Yen Chi Shu. Did I say okay, yeah okay. Yen Chi Shu. Yen Chi Shu. I thought the last name I thought it was Chu or Chu. Uh-huh. Um I didn't know the how the how the first name was pronounced. So thank you. I appreciate I appreciate that. Correcting me once again on the way I, I'm I'm just here names. for the names. That's all I'm gonna contribute. Caleb Henry. Here. Co-host slash Name fact checker. And as my well favorite color is Pruple. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Paint the streets in Pronto purple. Or whatever P- it was. Pronto. Whatever. That's a throwback. The perp the Pruple Panthers. That's right. Uh, Online searches for pumpkin spice lattes increased one thousand five hundred ninety nine percent over the last two months, according to Google searches. <laughs> that Nobody, nobody's Googling that in June. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Seven uh, Eleven, Krispy Kreme, Wendy's, Dunkin', McDonald's, and many more offer pumpkin spice lattes. But Starbucks has been increasing the price year on year. With the average price now at six forty five. Jeez, I used oh. to call it four uh, five. Uh, Four bucks instead of Starbucks. I just kind of did that, but now it's six and a half bucks. Four bucks, yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there was a rating that came out of the the coffee in general, right? The average coffee yeah. per price. This was from BethArizona.com. I don't know why. They... Your coffee experts. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're getting a free ad, I guess, right now. <laughs> but nonetheless, it is, it is interesting. Where did Nebraska land? Number seven. Uh, number seven cheapest. 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 Really? 14% lower than the U.S. average, according to this. The U.S. average is 251. Again, this is just for a cup of coffee. It's actually lower than I would have thought. 251. Nebraska comes in at 219. Your most expensive spot, Mark? Hawaii. 376. 376. This is Hawaiian coffee. It's like they oh, yeah. actually make it there. I feel like <laughs> that it. should be. Yeah, they grow it. Uh, it coffee. feels like it should be less. Hawaii Coffee Company has something like two thousand coffee trees, and on the Big Island, Hawaii, Kona. Yes, coffee. Kona. Yeah, that would be like Nebraska <laughs> having some of the most expensive corn yeah, in the right? country. It's, anyway, Hawaii's first, California's second. That makes sense. Everything's just expensive there. Washington third, Alaska fourth, Arizona fifth in the most expensive places to get coffee. Your cheapest, by the way, even though Nebraska's seventh, you can still find a cheaper cup of coffee in Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Iowa, West Virginia, and North Dakota. The only reason Iowa is cheaper is they've got so dang many Casey's and Hy-Vee fast and freshes 
It's gas station coffee that most of them are drinking there, which tends to be a little bit cheaper. And Quick Trip. And Quick Trip, yes. And actually, and Come and Go. But Quick Trip has really good coffee. Do they? Well, they've all... I mean, gas stations have really tried to up their coffee game I'm talking about the Quick Trip that's QT. Yeah, QT, right. But they've really tried to up their coffee game now with different... It used to be they just had the... You know, the pot like we've got basically here in the office that you just pour it out of most gas stations did. But now they've got like electronic touchscreen machines and you can pick your flavor and do all those. I'm not above gas station coffee. I'm definitely not. Other people that I associate closely with, maybe too good for gas station coffee, but I would say I'm not too good for gas station coffee. I do avoid gas station sushi, though. (laughs) I would would also support that decision. (laughs) 7.55, but it does exist for the people who really need a quick sushi pick-me-up. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Your home for Husker football is 1499.3. Presented on KLIN by Liberty First Credit Union. Stephen Artist State. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 56 degrees in the capital city. Nice morning out there. A little cloudy. Uh, Coming up during the 8 o'clock hour, we will visit with Tim Herza about Nebraska news and politics. Maybe get a little bit more into this this Mike Flood thing with him and more. And then uh, a little bit later, we will talk to our co-host on the Friday Husker Tailgate. Mike Schaefer as well. So that is all coming up. It is 8 o'clock on KLIN Link. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is Alan K. Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it's time for another keyword for you to text in at 402-479-1400. If you want to pick on Fantasy Huskers, that keyword for 810 is? Laces. Laces. L-A-C-E-S. Laces. Text that in and you might get a pick for Fantasy Huskers. Pick number two, we are asking you this week, how many passes Nebraska attempts against Purdue? How much are they going to rely on that run game versus the pass game? So passes attempted by uh, anyone from Nebraska against Purdue. Text in the keyword, and we'll pick one of you to actually make a pick. We'll contact you by text, and you can make your prediction on that and have a little extra on the game on Saturday. Your potential to win some pizza from Valentino's and some gear from Alumni 
Hall. All right, with that said, it is time to say hello to Tim Haruza, who is uh, joining us right now. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm well, Jack. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. I want to start off, talked about this a little here in the morning drive just a a bit ago, but I got a push notification on my phone yesterday afternoon from like the Washington Post or Politico or one of those those, uh, generally political um, newspapers or internet sites, and I can't remember which one it was, but I saw... Mike Flood's name was at the top of it. So that caught my attention because normally, you know, uh, the congressman from Nebraska still rel- relatively new in the House is not making national headlines. Uh, but he is in this case because he is trying to convince people in his caucus, including speaker candidates, to sign a unity pledge, essentially saying, hey, we're going to we're going to be OK with whoever comes out of this next round of voting behind closed doors. Um I, I'm just cu- kind of cu- curious your thoughts on on this. If because if they get it done this time around, like somebody comes out of this closed door meeting tonight, one of whoever the the nine people that are up for this are seven nine whatever it is, and they then just get the votes first time around, he's gonna <laughs> like that's gonna be a pretty feather in his cap, isn't he? Uh, in, in in this whole thing, especially for a fairly young uh, young member of the House of Representatives. Uh, for someone who's been in the house for a year, Jack, um, it's a pretty high profile move and he's getting, I don't know. I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything but positive feedback on it since he started making the rounds this weekend. Right. Um, puts out a unity pledge calling on the speaker candidates to sign it and to ask their followers to go along with it when it's done too. And he's actually getting some traction on it. I, it might be a, one of the, best ways to move yourself up really fast. Um, I would, would love to hear like, Hey, who, how do you cook up this idea? Where'd it come from? How was it initially received by people? Yeah. Because again, it's, it's one thing for somebody to come up with this sort of a deal, right? A unity pledge after multiple failed votes here, um, where the, the country's had no speaker for going on three full weeks now. Um, it's a pretty big move for a freshman congressman from, of all places in Nebraska, uh, to kind of spearhead this, but then not only, not only to do it and kind of throw it out there, like it's one thing if you cook up this idea, toss it out on social media and it falls flat and nobody picks it up. It's another thing when you get, I think all the candidates or almost all of them have signed it now. Um, that's a whole different ball game. Um, I saw an interview with, uh, uh, Congressman Flood on, uh, getting passed around online. He's a spot on Newsmax. I'm sure he's getting attention for this in a way that you just don't expect a freshman congressman to do. So cool for him. It's also, I mean, from a party standpoint, it's a, it's the type of thing that you probably need, right? Um, whether it's the idea that kind of brings everybody together or not is yet to be seen, but you need, you got to come together and figure this out again, three weeks without a speaker of the house, pretty nuts move. Um, and I'll tell you this too, Jack, it's not the first time that Nebraska has been front and center in the middle. Of That's this true. Situation either, right? Just moving from like one about, district one to district two to two to one. Yeah, right. We're talking about Congressman Flood, but I mean, you don't have to forget that Congressman Bacon from Omaha there is a lot of the a, a big part, I guess, of the holdouts that ended up keeping this thing stalled for as long as it has. I mean, I think there's a whole lot of other personal and political things that have gone on behind the scenes that have moved people's positions around. But Bacon has been pretty steadfast 
opposed to Jim Jordan and um, on the side of McCarthy. And he was he was one of the first and original holdouts before that initial vote and has kind of stuck with his guns there. So whether that's for political or personal reasons, I have no idea. But at the end of the day, we have two Nebraska congressmen who are front and center in this speaker's uh, conundrum, I think, that so, Congress finds itself in. It's interesting, and, and the news has kind of been about which of the speaker candidates have signed it, but of course, you know, that, I mean, the last time around, that didn't necessarily matter. There wasn't a pledge, but, you know, you had Scalise's people who were eventually saying to go with Jordan. You had McCarthy's people who were saying with Jordan, it still wasn't enough, right? It the, the, right. the people, so, I mean, you really not only have to get the candidates, you've got to get their you know, you've got to get the, the, the rank and file, essentially. You've got to get the rest of the, the caucus or a big chunk of the rest of the caucus. But essentially what he's doing, as I understand it, is he's got a block of, of people within the caucus, and they're saying, hey, we're not even going to consider you as a candidate unless you as a candidate not only sign it but press your backers to sign the pledge on this as well. And so it's all going to be about how many people they get to commit, how many total people that they get to commit to to doing this. And the the issue with it is, Tim, as we've seen, if you get four people going the other direction, that's enough to halt this whole thing. I mean, it's got, it's got to be dang near unanimous to, to be able to do this. And I just, I don't know if they'll be able to do it. I don't know enough about how controversial a lot of these candidates are. You know, several of them I haven't even I haven't even heard of at this point. But that that pledge is only going to be really good if you get a huge number of people signing it or at least abiding by it at this point. Well, so and some we'll of that, some of that, even though you you sort of had the effort to come back together um, from the other candidates, right? And they're asking their followers and and supporting or coming out and endorsing Jim Jordan. You had some pushback, I think, on tactics and those sorts of things that happened in a weird way, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know all of the details. Obviously, I only know what's been reported in the news. But um, Congressman Jordan and sort of the the tactics surrounding how he tried to lock up the votes, I think, might have pushed got caused more pushback than well, you'd otherwise. That's get. what Don Bacon of, says his concern was the whole time. You can't. There, there's a there's a difference between being a strong leader and then bullying people into voting for you, and I think that's probably where you where you saw like people being like, look, we're not going to do it this way, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, it's one thing, and that's why I think a unity pledge or something like that may end up being a more positive way to say, look, let's get some leadership and let's get on the same page, rather than hey, hey, if you don't vote for me, <laughs> you're going to get drug out on conservative national media, right? It's not. Is not a, and and whatever other threats and or promises um, came along with that behind the scenes, he just yeah, well, probably it, not the best way to rally the troops around you. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what what role, if any, this this pledge plays in uh, plays over the course of the next what uh, forty eight hours, and in, in terms of whether they've actually got a speaker locked up after this whole thing is uh, after this whole thing is over. Hey, I'm I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. This has been pretty extensively covered now, uh, but the uh, the governor had the the comments on another radio station. Uh, about the journalist who wrote the article about the nitrates. I mean, we all know the the story by now. He had a he was asked about it on on Friday, and he basically said, "Look, I'm focused on defending agriculture, selling it over the country. I want to keep focused on that. Don't want to get caught up in the sideshows." Followed up on it, and he said, "My comments were my comments. That's what I have to say about it." Um, I don't think he probably wants to get further into this. I don't think he probably wants 
to. I think if he wanted to apologize, he already would have at this point. Do you think, I mean, is this is this thing over, or do you think this thing continues to, to be a story going forward? Well, I don't know whether it, it ends up being over. I don't know that it, um, I don't think it's necessarily going away. Um, I, I think that, I think that there's probably a lot here that has, has to do with, um, communication, right? Like how you communicate and what you communicate and, um, just kind of, uh, again, lessons that will be learned about how to address things that I, I don't think the governor meant to say what I think he's being accused of saying. I truly don't. I think, um, I think it's just a, a bad situation all around, um, in some respects and, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's over, Jack. I don't think you can. I don't think you can have something like this and just kind of dismiss it on the second go around, and not address kind of the the accusation here without it, you know, continuing to to fester a little bit. So I do. I do think he's going to continue to get asked about it. I think the media is going to hold him um, to some sort of direct response to the situation rather than just kind of sidestepping it, so to speak, or. Um, I think he called it a sideshow, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think that's—I don't think that's going to get the media to stop asking him questions about it. So, what, do you think there was like a more charitable way to interpret what was said? That sounded like what you no, were alluding I, to. I think. Well, I think I think you have a situation here where the I think the governor was focused less. Look, it, it looks bad. There's no question about it. And again, I'm—I think I'm probably giving him the benefit of the doubt here that it has a little bit more to do with the communism thing, right? Good, bad, or otherwise, that's a different approach than um, the nationality or the race of the reporter there. Um, and that's not, that's not good. It's not well thought out, but I, I do think they're going to have to respond to it somehow rather than just dismissing it, Jack. Um, that's not going to work in this case. And that's where I, people are going to ask him. People are going to, the media is going to continue to ask him. Yeah. And they should. Yeah. They should. Um, can't say something like that and not probably follow up on it. Uh, update. I apologize for, to be honest. We're uh, we're we've been waiting potentially for well, not potentially. There's going to be some another new member of the Nebraska legislature because uh, of a departure once again. Uh, this is uh, I believe Senator Breezy, right? Uh, moving on to a new job. Um, is where are we along in that process right now? Uh, applications are out uh, as of last week. Um, the governor released a request for applications asking for people to, to apply for the position. I don't know. I think folks wondered whether or not that would happen, right? Whether he'd have a candidate and just announce somebody or whether or not he would, um, open up applications and the applications are out. So next, uh, last week they, they opened up, there's a deadline you can apply. It'll be interesting to see who comes forward. Uh, we've had a couple of these now under Pillin. Some of them where applications have been accepted and you've had candidates come forward and some where, um, where, well, I can't think, I don't remember if one of the senators was a full application process or whether it was just a name that was sort of selected, but uh, we're going through a process again. There's at least one candidate that's announced in that district. I am certain that, that they will apply. It will be interesting to see what other names come out of it. Uh, I'm just kind of more generally do we, because so much attention, well, there just hasn't been a ton of attention necessarily on on more of the local elections that are coming up a full year from now, understandably, but primaries won't be too long. Are Do, do we feel like, you know, you can, we kind of have a good idea of who's running in all of the key races in the legislature? Are still kind of waiting to find out where are we in that timeline right now? 
There are a number of candidates that have announced, Jack. Um, a lot of them are getting, you know, more and more names uh, out there. I think the biggest one has five or six that are vying for an open seat right now um, for Senator Bosselman's district. Um, you may recall that has a candidate that doesn't quite live in the district yet, or maybe that's been resolved too, but there was a headline over that situation um, a couple of months ago. Um, I, I still think that there is plenty, there is plenty of time for candidates to come forward and announce um, the end of the year is sort of that one of those markers where you start to look at it because campaign fundraising reports are due at the end of the year and people realize or get to look at who has what right in their campaign accounts and who has whom backing them. Um, but the filing deadline isn't until next year. Uh, incumbents have to file a little bit earlier. And then you have a, I mean, I don't think it's until March that folks have to file for to see if they're running. I think <laughs> the most interesting story out of all this, Jack, and I think I've been asked in the last two or three weeks, multiple times by multiple people, is Ernie going to run again? Yeah. Is he going to come back? Um, I got I had a, approached at a, a conference on Friday, and uh, you know, a former state senator came up and said, "Hey, you think Ernie will come back?" And I said, "I I don't know. I think so. It probably depends on kind of what mood he's in and um, how he's feeling, and and if he wants to do it, and whether he files. So he's got until next year to do it, though. So wow. I think that's a storyline that a lot of people in our world are watching. You know, mostly out of interest, but also out of can he do it? He'll be, he'd be in his late 80s um, running for the legislature and coming back. So, wow. An absolute legend of Nebraska politics, and he has not shut the door on it as far as I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think anybody would be shocked if it if it, if it happens. So we'll see. Uh, and then last but not least, we talked a little bit about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and that was the attorney general uh, of Nebraska filing, trying to trying to file suit. Basically, we'll go straight to the Supreme Court, at least, uh, to get a ruling on part of an existing law about corrections deemed unconstitutional. Um, the Supreme Court said no on that. Um, it sounds like he's got to go back down through the district court, which I don't think it's a major. I assume the Supreme Court typically wouldn't have original jurisdiction in something like this, so I'm not totally surprised by that. But what was your your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the at the end of the day, Jack. I think maybe the the question was, look, it's got probably going to have to get resolved by the Supreme Court anyway, and so there was a, there's a thought that you file it. I've looked at those statutes, and I I really need to pull the complaint on. Or I guess a petition or whatever it's called in this instance, and see what the procedural posture for this is, because the the statutes are sort of interesting in the way that they talk about how this action gets filed. Like that names the Secretary of State because the Attorney General issued an opinion. Um, the the court's just signaling here probably that you got to go back through and go through the process. Because again, the the threshold question, Jack, will be procedurally: is it here in front of the court correctly? Right. Um, jurisdictional questions and all of that before it gets appealed up to the court. But make no mistake, the Supreme Court's going to have to declare this thing or these statutes constitutional and unconstitutional as long as the case is brought correctly, right? So maybe that's sort of why you get it kicked back. And I, I don't know the original jurisdiction question, except that we go back to the start, we'll have a district court judge look at it and then, you know, probably appeals from there. Um, yeah. So the court can take a look. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I just thought perhaps it wasn't a completely surprising. It wasn't, you know, like a major setback in this whole effort. I think it might have been to be expected a little bit, but I think you're, you're right on that analysis. All right, uh, we are out of time. Thank you, Tim. Covered a lot of different topics there. Appreciate your insight on all of them. We will catch you again next week. All right. Thanks, Jack.
There you go. Tim Herza joining us right now. Formerly known as the summer friend of the show. 56 degrees in the capital city. We'll take a break. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Get the facts and stay ahead of the game. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Your trusted source for news and information. 1499.3 KLIN. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, scheduled to have Mike Schaefer joining us. We're going to get hooked up with him. Uh, here in just a second. All right. Just uh, finishing with something there. There he is. He's calling me back right now. Just a little phone tag going on. You know how it goes. Nebraska over Northwestern on Saturday. 17 to 9. I don't think any of us had that number, did we, in the uh, Friday Husker tailgate pick Did we? Someone was close. Someone was close. I think we were all close. Well, Schaefer was the closest. He was the closest, and he is here to gloat now, uh, I'm sure. Uh, Mike Schaefer, uh, Husker 24-7, joins us right now also from the Friday Husker tailgate. Congratulations, Mike, on the point. You get a point for that. Uh, thank you. I don't think it was a particularly good week otherwise, so I think I needed that point. Um, you know, you tailed a lot of Caleb's and I's picks, and... Might've... We kind of knew what was going to happen on Friday when, when that occurred. <laughs> Paid off. The ship went down with all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, now I'm going to be chasing a lot, chasing a lot the rest of the year. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, I, I, I'm curious, did this, this game here, uh, the win, did it feel like very similar to you to the Illinois game and does that if so does that mean this is kind of what we're in for for the rest of the year with this team going forward yeah I mean I I kind of tried to get at this with my score last week but I just did not I don't have the confidence that this team can just line up and play football directly at another team on offense and have it go particularly well like they Everything they're doing right now, they have to work so hard to, to just be able to run the football. Like, there's a lot of window dressing on yeah. every play just to try to create some sort of, like, confusion because I just don't think they can line up and go directly at anyone. So it's just kind of a – and then you're going to get back-to-back weeks, and I think this is going to be a storyline all week, or at least it should. Purdue's had a week off. They have Ryan Walters, a good defensive coordinator. We know Nebraska's offensive situation right now is about as bad as it can get. You're likely not going to have Billy Kemp for next week. I mean, I don't remember exactly how Matt Rule phrased it, but it sure seems like he's out for at least a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's just uh, like you're going to have to kind of do it on guts and field position and, and sort of hitting a big play when you need to. Like that, the throw from from Heinrich Harburg to Malachi Coleman was big for so many reasons. 
But it's also like just how this offense is going to have to win. Like they're going to need some just sort of big plays and they're going to have to be successful on those. They're going to have to survive. They have to turn the ball over less than they did against Northwestern. Uh, and I think this is, you know, I thought the Illinois game was sort of a blueprint of what was going to have to be. Like you're just going to have yeah. to live through your defense and get whatever you can out of your offense. And it's going to be ugly. And I think everyone has to acknowledge that now because even with, you know, a lighter schedule, there's still the possibility it's going to be tough for them to win some of these games. Yeah. Yeah, you wonder you wonder what this game looks like if if Nebraska stays away, you know, follows that that formula that I've been talking about, which is basically mistake avoidance and then just see where it goes from there. Although the interceptions didn't come back to bite them significantly, but if they play, you know, turnover-free football with with this whole thing, if this feels significantly different or not because again, I think Mike, I mean, I think that's still the formula for it, all of these games, maybe most of these games, maybe not all of them, that again, if it, if you play mistake-free football on offense by mistake-free, you're not turning it over, um, and you're not getting yourself back to way way back um, on, on penalties or on punts that end up at the one-inch line. I th- still think you can win the game ba- just doing that against, definitely for the next two weeks, and maybe a few of the other games as well um it's just i don't we still haven't seen nebraska do that really here at this point yeah. especially over the last couple well, of weeks and it's it's you know it's where the interception the first interception hurt not because northwestern scored but it just allows them to just pin you deep i yes. mean matt rule kind of joked about it but nebraska has had an inordinate amount of games where they've had to drive the ball from like the two yard line in the first quarter. And so for years, that actually, that's yeah. actually one, another one of those multi-year <laughs> issues. So bizarre. Well, you know, we'll see if they can ever get past it, but you know, that's where those interceptions, obviously one led to the field goal, but that first one, you had great starting position because you got a pretty good return. And frankly, like what's disappointing is that play specifically it was open. They had multiple receivers <laughs> open. The throw was just bad. Oh, and he was, so open, it was, yeah. it was almost It was almost like the throw was somehow between both of Fedoni and Borkercher, each of which looked open. There was another open receiver on that yeah. play, too, underneath. And so it's just a – it's one of those where I, people have been really upset with Marcus Satterfield, and that's just sort of what happens when you're the offensive coordinator at Nebraska. But, I, you know, there's another one where Thomas Fedoni's wide open and Harburg doesn't set his feet to throw. Fedoni slips. It's on that drive where they went three and out and everybody lost their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's it, some of the difficulty is I think the play calls are fine. It's just the execution isn't there because, again, backup quarterback, young players, backup pretty much everything skill position wise, an offensive line that uh, some people have thought they played better than, than I did on Saturday. I thought they had a really tough go at things at times. Like it didn't feel like. They were able to keep the backfield particularly clean yeah. um, all the time and, and things of that nature. But this is just what they are. And, it, you know, it's a lot closer to Iowa football than anybody around here would care to admit. But, hey, you know, they generally win games when they're not throwing hand signals all over the place. Do you get any sense if there's a, a point in terms of a leash on Harburg that there there would be a change if there's ineffectiveness or turnovers or anything, or is it is it kind of ride ride with him no matter what at this point? I know you don't know probably for certain, but I'm curious what feeling you get. Yeah, I don't know anything for certain, but it sort of felt like if they were going to jump to the Sims, they would have had the golden opportunity to do it after right. that second interception. Yeah, And the fact they didn't just makes me feel like Sims probably isn't either A, healthy, 
Or B, he might want to protect his own red shirt, which would give him two years if he were to transfer as a grad trainer. Wow. So, uh, you wow. know, there's, he's got his own thing there, uh, which I I don't want to say that's what's happening because then you're going to get a bunch of people right. like, oh, man, what a terrible teammate. He's only blah, blah, blah. And it's like, just calm down. You know, yeah. he's got to look out for his situation. I don't know that that's what's happening. But if I was Jeff Sims, and I wasn't 100%, I would want to protect those two years of eligibility because it does not feel like I'm going to be the quarterback in Nebraska moving forward. But you never know. So it, if Harburg were to struggle right away out of the gates against Purdue, I think the noise would get louder uh, for, for Jeff Sims to come back. It's really funny to me because the same people who immediately wanted Jeff Sims benched are now talking about how, you know, <laughs> It's time for Jeff Sims to get his opportunity again. And it's like, yeah, okay. Is it always going to be the guy that's behind the starter? Because that's not how this is going to work. It's kind of how it goes. The most popular man in the state is always the backup quarterback, no matter who it is. So, um, yeah, that's that's interesting. And if that is the case, and like you said, we don't know if that's actually the case, although I've had a couple of people mention it to me lately. How much are they kicking themselves for putting Jeff Sims in for that one play against Louisiana Tech? Because you could at least have two games, a two-game cushion then if you wanted to. Yeah, that seems like it's a uh, pretty significant deal looking back on it now, especially because it was just the one play, and it's like you could have put Chubba in. You just just needed someone to take the snap and run around. That's basically what it was, so. Uh, yeah, but we'll we'll see kind of how it plays out. I mean, again, my my theory is that despite however many times Matt Rule says it, Jeff Sims is not healthy enough where his legs are going to allow for him to run the way that Heinrich Harburg does. Right, and that ultimately is the biggest thing that the offense has going for it, which is why Harburg will continue to be the quarterback. Like those, that's. That's my whole thought process on the thing at this point. All right, let's talk about the fun part of the game. Let's talk about the defense. Um, Among the things that amazes me about this defense, Mike, maybe the biggest is every couple of games, they'll have a guy have a great performance who who follows the team fairly closely. I have never heard of. <laughs> like I just I don't know who who he is. And we had it again with uh with number 90. There's this uh James Williams, is that right? Uh yeah, I, yep. yeah. Just had I mean, I had zero idea who he was at that point and here he is getting multiple sacks at the end of that game in crunch time. It's uh it it's happened a couple of times with this defense now and it's among the things that are completely fascinating to me about it. Yeah, so the James Williams thing is the first time for me where I'm like, wait, I have to consult my roster, and it's like, who's 90? That makes and me Brunch, feel much better. <laughs> Brunts looks over, and he's like, you don't know Stick? So apparently Michael Brunts just had his nickname down and wow. was all over the James Williams thing. Come to find out, it's because Brunts covered, like James Williams was a late addition to the roster in August, and Brunts, Brunts talked to him and wrote the story, and okay. so he knew who he was. And so he had, I, I feel like the leg up as I do often with recruiting too, but yeah. uh, I did not, I gotta be honest, they've added so many new pieces. I did not remember James Williams joining the team from Iowa Central or wherever he was at previously, <laughs> junior college in Iowa, uh, this August. So, you know, it's a, and then the thing that's just remarkable, and that world just comes out and says it after the game, it's like, well, he was playing well on scout team, so we felt like we needed to give him a chance. <laughs> Right. It's like it's like you could say those words out loud. <laughs> When's the last time a Nebraska coach referenced the scout team and said that someone was playing well, so they wanted to give them a chance because of that? Right. Is that 
Has that ever occurred? I don't know. Well, yeah, other than other than Rudy back with Notre Dame, you know, obviously years ago. Uh, <laughs> and that's the, that's the other crazy thing about Mike. Like, there, there haven't necessarily been that I'm aware of, like, significant injuries or anything. Like, that's a position that's got pretty good depth, right, as far as yeah. I'm aware? I, I think a lot of it, and it it's kind of smart. They have several guys they like, uh, Kai Wallen being one of them, James Williams being one of them some of those younger guys where it's like, okay, we can take in our opportunity here to use this red shirt situation where we're going to get eight games between these two players or 12 between these three. And we just rotate which games those are. And so it allows you to, you know, keep Kai Wallen for an extra year and James Williams for an extra year. And that's good depth. Like it, it's, it is sort of a version of like 40 chess that we're not entirely used to in large part because, I'm not used to things just sort of working, and especially for Nebraska's defense. So the idea that you can just put in a guy who's not played and who physically looks like he needs to spend a year in the strength and conditioning program, and he's so quick off the snap that it's just a handful for a Big Ten defensive line, like this is, it feels like Hollywood stuff to me. Like it does not seem like this is what happens in Nebraska. And yet here we are. And again, Terrence Knighton just seems to be some sort of like magic defensive line whisperer. I mean, all of these guys that are playing are playing well. And a lot of them are doing it with such low experience, which has me pretty excited about what this could all look like. Because now we have to probably have the conversation about has Nash Hutmacher played so well that he's going to be putting his name to the draft board to see where he's at. Because he's eligible. That's I yeah I I wondered about that. But just to to wrap up our last conversation, I count twenty twenty different players who had a defensive tackle during this game. Yep, and and, and it's yeah. not like a deep, and it wasn't like they emptied the bench completely and had a bunch of backups in at the end either. Like twenty twenty guys, all names that you're other. Well, I guess with the exception of James Williams, all guys that are you know regular players. Twenty and dudes. Here's a, yeah, here's the thing: like you can earnestly tell recruit. Like, hey, you come here, you're going to get an opportunity to play. Because you can just show that box score and be like, it was 17 to 7, and we played 20 guys. Yeah. You know, you might not be a starter, but if you work as hard as this guy did, you're going to get an opportunity to play for us. And then if you continue to do that, you're going to play a lot more. And it's just like, when you can actually make that pitch and back it up with your own results, those are pretty dangerous things. And it's just why it feels like they're – they're going to have the ability to recruit a lot of these pretty athletic, raw defensive guys and then see how they develop them over time. Um, you, you mentioned Nash Hutmaker, and, and of course, yeah, that that concern that you wonder if he starts to get NFL attention. But, man, uh, two and a half sacks in this game again, seven total tackles from like a nose tackle position. And, Mike, I don't know what you thought. I'm curious. But the begin- I watched a couple of plays at the beginning of the game especially, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this center from Northwestern is just going to have a miserable day. Um, and it looked like that actually was kind of the case throughout most of the day. Yeah, I mean, it, you can tell pretty early when he's just going to assault an offensive line. I mean, it was kind of like the North, Northern Illinois game. For, for whatever reason, Nash does his best work against the land of Lincoln. Northern Illinois, Illinois, and Northwestern all got pretty beat up. You know, and he did it against Minnesota and Colorado, too. So I don't want to yeah. pretend like there wasn't other good performances in there. But notably, those three schools, it was like right off the bat, you're like, yeah, it's going to be. He's just going to be collapsing the interior of that offensive line over and over and over. And it, 
it works on so many levels. It allows their blitzes to work. It allows the outside guys to get one-on-one situations where if they get a step or if they're able to make a move, then they're one step closer to the quarterback. Like the attention that he's able to command as one guy in the middle of that defensive line does so much for the rest of the defense. And so that alone, it, it, now my, my whole thing is like, okay, so who's next? Like, what does that depth chart look like? Because you've got to have more than yeah. that high, uh moving forward with the way college football works. Yeah. And the other thing I'll add on, and, and, and this is maybe cumulative on what I was saying before, but like, you know, Jamari Butler and Prince Will were two guys that you weren't seeing a ton of at the beginning of the year. And now they've all of a sudden those two look like, you know, they're at the, the top line, the best among the best players on that defense as well. And they weren't really there at the beginning of the year. Just like the quickness people are coming into this defense and making an impact is, is incredible. I mean, you can say the same thing about Bear. You can say the same thing about a bunch of guys. That's the other incredible thing is that yeah, it's I- not, not only they're trying a wide variety of guys, but once they, you know, once they find their way in, they're having success. I go back to a conversation I had with um, Damon Benning before the Minnesota game where he expressed some hesitancy because it was his opinion that Jamari Butler was one of the best players on Nebraska's defense and that he wasn't going to play in that game. And then, of course, he comes back to the Colorado game, gets a sack. He's kind of played, you know, here and there ever since, and it just seems like it's gotten better. He was really noticeable in the Illinois game. He was really noticeable in this Northwestern game. In fact, Matt McMaster yesterday on the uh, the – the Husker 24-7 Sunday side session nice. called Jamari Butler the second-best player on Nebraska's defense. Wow. And, uh, I, you know, it's hard for me to really argue against it because he's so sudden and he provides such a, uh, you know, such a presence there. I said Isaac Gifford and, and Nash were your top two guys. Yeah, Nash I agree. one, Gifford two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, I mean, I can certainly accept an argument for Jamari Butler because what he can bring off the edge can wreck, you know, a team's plan on second and third down and when they're attempting to pass. And then and then real quick, getting back getting back to the offensive side, and we'll hear more about these injuries today. I mean, the injury luck is just unbelievable here at this point. It's like every game it's just taken off the – I think we lost more of our helmet sticker team once again. Uh, yeah. It's just unbelievable. We're now over half the people that we picked for the helmet sticker teams have been injured and are either out for the year or missing multiple games. Um, but I, I, I am curious, too. What have you seen? You know, Malachi Coleman obviously had the the touchdown that was getting has a lot of people buzzing afterwards. Um, what have you seen from him? I mean, I think there was some sense from Matt Rule and probably others that hey, it may not be something that happens this year with him. He's ended up getting way more snaps, I think, than was in the cards prior to the injuries. This point, how how do you think he's he's played? And I guess maybe that whole group of freshman receivers too. What, what have you seen from him so far? Yeah, I mean, well the. The big thing with Malachi is he's got that kind of game-breaking speed, and we saw it on display with, you know, just getting a step there and running right by the defender, and it was the perfect throw from Harburg, perfect catch. And, but that's that's what I'm expecting if I'm expecting anything, not a touchdown every game, but if I'm expecting anything from Malachi moving forward, it's hard for me to, be, to, to visualize him having four, five, six, seven catches in a game leading, you know, these sort of drives where it's like, third and seven and he can get to 15 yards over the middle. Maybe he can do that every now and then, but it's hard for me to expect it a lot. What I do sort of think with him and Jalen Lloyd specifically is they can sort of have these big play impacts. Like their speed, if caught in the right situation, allows them to to be kind of impactful on a one to the four play sort of situation. 
Whereas Thomas Fedoni feels like he's going to get a lot of the passes, a lot of the targets. He's got to start hauling some of these in. I know some of the throws weren't the best, but he's still got to make some of those catches. But I, I look at those two guys as big play threats. I don't know what to do with Jaden Doss yet. Uh, he was in on the deep ball. Um, I know he was in on some other attempts as well. Uh, but I, I think he's still kind of learning things. And it's just, they're just going to have to survive with what they have. It's such a unique situation. But talk about uh, a great opportunity for Malachi, who I wasn't entirely sure that it was a given that he wouldn't redshirt. Now, that obviously, that decision has been made yeah. for some time. I think he's played in, mm-hmm. I think he's played in every game or close to every game mm-hmm. so far. Um, but for me, it was a, it was a situation where he might just need the time to kind of be able to develop. Cause again, he didn't get there until the summer, but he has done a really nice job. And the other thing is he's doing it. He had the big catch, obviously on Saturday. He also had the really nice block that set things up. So he's doing all phases of what they need. Uh, and so I think we're going to continue to see Malachi as a, as a big play specialist. All right. We'll close with a research project for you and or Caleb. Last, Ooh. last game that Nebraska scored points, their only points were by Nebraskans. Tristan Alvano, Omaha. Heinrich Harburg, Carney, Malachi Coleman, Lincoln. So there you go. Three players only from Nebraska. This feels like it's going to go back a little bit. Maybe the Crouch era. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, But I don't know. It's going to be a game where just like, well, and then the other thing is, do we count extra points as as points in this? Yeah, that's a good question. We may need to have an asterisk. Well, I don't think this will go back so far because Nebraska's had enough uh, homegrown kickers where you've had games where you've only scored field goals. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think I might go back. I don't know. It's, it's a good question. We'll see. Research project. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, all right. I will, I'll let you guys handle the Thanks, research. Thanks, Mike. I'll just, I'll just pontificate. You'll That's just retweet it. Thanks. Hey, yeah. appreciate yep. it, Mike. We'll see you Friday. All right, guys. Have a good there one. There you go. Mike Shaver, Husker 24-7. Friday, Husker Delegate. 8.56 wrap it up. This is on KLIN.